Aren't you thankful for the cross? Amen. While they're coming down, the girls will play a little bit for us. And while they're doing that, I do want to remind you it's fifth Sunday, so there is no children's church today. We want our children to worship with their families on the fifth Sunday and get a little taste of the punishment y'all get every week, right? <laughs> no, just remember that as they're coming down. I do want to call your attention to Revelation chapter 8, where we will be uh, picking up today in our journey through the book of the Revelation. Uh, I hope you paid close attention. I didn't make any announcements during the uh, baptismal time because I really wanted all the focus to be on that. And I just make a couple now while you're turning in your Bibles. Some neat stuff. Where's Steve at? Steve, did you help build the rock crawler wall? Or did Tim did it so we don't have to get OSHA involved? Or Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, our radio RC ministry, man, I tell you, full armor. They've got a name for it now, full armor radio control. I told Tim when he mentioned this to me, and I remind you as a church, when you talk about ministry, you always have to remember, my passion should always be used for his purpose. And Tim has a passion for radio control, remote control, drones. He's liable to fly by your house any moment and, you know, and, and feed your dog with his drone. I don't know, but <laughs> anyhow, and I said, if that's your passion, use it for his purpose. So they've even took it a step further for these colder months. They've built a rock crawling wall for these trucks, and they put a little video up on the uh, Heflin Baptist social media page, and you can uh, take a look at that. But I tell you, if you have any interest in that kind of stuff, you say, well, I'm not a kid. doesn't matter. I know a lot of kids that have very old bodies right so uh, uh, if you're interested three o'clock this afternoon they're going to put it together I always have a Bible study and get you some Doritos and some Cheetos and and maybe a burrito I don't know but anyhow I'm going a little far ain't I Tim but anyhow uh, do remember that that's this afternoon and you see the other stuff coming up diamond set this week you don't have to be old to come to that either I don't remind you anybody's welcome for that luncheon on Tuesday at 11 in our fellowship hall Two weeks, our students are going to be leading our worship service, and next week we have a whole bunch of them that are going to be professing their uh, not just their faith in Christ, but identifying Christ in His church through believers' baptism. So, I'm going to spend a lot of extra time at Planet Fitness this week, get my workouts in, so we can uh, do it. Say, so can can you hold out for that? I tell you what, there is something stronger than physical strength. It is the power of Christ in the believer, and I believe He'll sustain us. Don't you? Amen. So do remember that. You hope you got your birthday sheets, January and February birthdays. We'll start putting those out with the bulletins on the last Sunday of every month. So you can be reminded when it's your friend's birthday, and you can be reminded when it's your birthday. Amen. And next month, you'll want to make sure you get yours because Mark's people are marvelous people, right? Coach, you're marvelous. You're Mark. Anybody else a March person? Hey, look at there. Look at all these awesome people, right? I always remind people that I was born on the same day as Albert Einstein and Truett Cathy. I have great genetics. Amen. <laughs> All right. Revelation chapter 8. I hope you found your place. Uh, we're going to look to the Word of God and see what the Word of God has to say to us. I hope you read this this week in anticipation of what God is saying because the judgments that are coming to this world are very, very uh, important. They are very, very certain, and they cannot be changed by the will of man or any legislation. 
God is going to fulfill his word. Amen? If you found your place physically able, stand with me if you would in honor and reverence to the reading of God's holy word, <laughs> Revelation chapter 8, and we're going to read about the first six verses just in introduction to this chapter. Here's what the word of God says. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. <coughs> Excuse me. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand, and then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. There were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Pray with me. Father, in the sweet and holy name of Jesus, I approach your throne of grace very humbly, but Father, with confidence today that you hear us, you love us, and you desire to speak to us through your word and through your Holy Spirit today. God, I pray that your word will go forth as you've said. It'll accomplish that which you please, prosper what you send it, that it will never return to you void. Pray, God, you help me to verbalize what you've put in my heart this week as I have studied your word to prepare to speak to your people. And may the Son of God be glorified. It's my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. Today I'm preaching on the silence before the storm. A few weeks ago I shared a message with you that we called a severe storm warning from Revelation chapter 6. That storm warning was given in preparation for the opening of the fifth and sixth seals of God's judgment upon the world that will take place during the days of great tribulation. It was clear to see that the intensity of God's judgment was increasing as he poured out his wrath. My heart's desire today as I stand before you is that I would present biblical truth that it would warn and prepare us of the things that are to come that will come upon this planet during the days of great tribulation for those who are intent on resisting the call of God to receive Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. Today I'm, I'm seeking to serve as somewhat of a spiritual meteorologist, spiritual James Spann, if you will, today. I, I, I'm coming here today as he does. He warns us of impending. Uh, they call them potentially dangerous situations, PDS. When there is a tornado warning, it is a potentially dangerous situation. This is not a potential. This is not a probable. This is a promise of destruction that is coming to the world. Last week, we talked about the space of time in chapter 7 that will take place between the opening of the sixth and the seventh seal. 
But in our text today, we learn the opening of that seventh seal, the first series of judgments, the first seven judgments of the 21 of the Great Tribulation, and how this opening of this seventh seal will give way to the opening of the next series of judgments that we know to be the seven trumpets. I love the way John Phillips put it about this point in time in the book of Revelation. He said, the seals have been broken, the cries have rung out, the riders have appeared, the conditions on earth have grown rapidly worse, men have been horrified and imagining that the day of wrath has dawned, they have called on the mountains and the rocks to fall upon them and hide them from the Lamb, but the worst is yet to come. Seven trumpets have yet to be blown, and wars worse than anything history records are yet to be fought. The war and famines, persecutions and pestilences unleashed during the seals are, after all, just the beginning of sorrows. So how will God capture the attention of an unbelieving world? Many will come to Christ during that time that did not have the uh, ability to hear the gospel on this side of the rapture. They'll hear it on that side. Many will come, but many will still reject. But how will he capture the attention of those who will come? I believe it's best recorded in the words of the great apologist C.S. Lewis who says God whispers in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to raise a deaf world. How will God get attention? It will be through pain and sorrow. So with that in mind, let's dive right into chapter 8 today as we talk about the silence before the storm. And notice with me, if you will, the scene in heaven. Verses 1 through 4 that we just read cover that subject, and we notice a very interesting scene. The first part of the scene, of course, involves an opening. You see that there was silence in heaven for the space about a half an hour. Now, a very unwise preacher said one time, and I would not say this, nor would I agree with this, he said, that is proof there will be no females in heaven. What a dummy. Are they, uh, uh, that's not smart. I wouldn't have said that. I'm smarter than that. I have the black eyes and the scars to prove that I'm smarter than that. I said, no, that is proof there will be no Baptist in heaven. Amen. Because I've never known Baptists to be quiet, except when you're talking about their sin. <laughs> Amen. No, 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 ladies, y'all going to be there because somebody got to speak up for us. Amen. No, no, there will be silence in heaven for a period of a half hour. Now, you say, will that be 30 minutes? Well, really and truly, it is just symbolic of a short period of time. It will be a short period of time that that seventh seal opens and there will be silence and that silence has a purpose because it will also be a time of solitude it will be a somber time you say why will they be so somber they've just experienced some great worship with the tribulation saints in heaven well silence is experienced by all of heaven in anticipation of the judgment that is about to fall I can remember way back being a high school athlete when you were in the dressing room right before it was time to come out and all that kind of stuff. There wasn't a whole lot of jive talk going on. 
There wasn't nobody, you know, smacking anybody on the head or telling jokes or whatever because it was time, as Mr. Morton used to tell us, it was time to get your mind on your business, boys. And as you got your mind on your business, you had some time of silence. You had some time of solitude as you prepared yourself for the impending competition that was about to. And then as it was time to play, you would want to take all of that energy and all that emotion and you would want to unleash it on your opponent. Well, here we see in heaven a time of silence because doom and judgment is coming. There's impending judgment coming and there's silence because of that. John MacArthur said the greatest event since the fall is about to take place and all of heaven is seen in suspenseful expectancy. They know something is coming. That's the opening. But notice something else about the scene. There's also an offering. See, it's important to note that the angels will play an important part as God unleashes his end time judgment on the earth. God has used them throughout history in the Old Testament and New Testament to deliver specific messages from him. But even now, in the day of grace, even now in the church age as we approach these latter days of time, we know that even today that these angels are engaged in spiritual warfare with the fallen angels, which are the demons, and in the spiritual realm in ways that we can't even imagine. But he notes about the angels and he also says there was another angel. This angel is separated from the seven with the trumpets in their hands. He is not a more spiritual angel or anything like that. He is one of the same kind and order, but he is performing a unique version, excuse me, unique function. You say, preacher, you're referring to angels as he and in all our Christmas plays, it's been the cutest little girls you've ever seen. And there's nothing wrong with that, but what I'm saying to you in the scriptures, anytime there's a reference to an angel, it is always in the masculine. So he is still he, regardless of what the culture says. Amen. Amen. Just seeing if anybody's with me, right? Amen. All right. So that's why we do that. What is this angel doing? Well, this angel is standing before the altar. There we see the altar again. And this is the heavenly equivalent of the Old Testament altar of incense. He has a golden censer in his hands which translates a fire pan, and we know what that is. This censer reminds us of some things from our Old Testament studies. It reminds us of the Old Testament priests who would twice a day take that fire pan they would go get fiery coals from the brazen altar where the sacrifices were offered they would transport them to the all into the holy place to the altar of incense and when the incense were ignited the scent and the smoke rose toward heaven which was symbolic of the prayers of God's people wow see in our text today we notice this we notice that there is a mixture takes place between the incense and the prayers of the saints. They both rise together before the Lord as a sweet-smelling aroma. I often think about what it's like when people call on the Lord for the first time in salvation. What a sweet-smelling aroma that must be in the nostrils of God. 
I think about what it must be like when God's people come together and pray for spiritual awakening and revival and for lives to be changed and for the health of the church and for evangelistic fervor and for disciple-making fervor and for missions fervor. I think about what a difference and what it must smell like to God when his people get serious about his business. Oh, I think it's something else. I read this the other day and I thought it was awesome. It said the scene in heaven here suggests that there is something sacrificial about genuine prayer. Both the believer and the prayer enter the presence of God by the way of the altar. Oh, I tell you, some folks, they just don't understand today. They say, I don't know why the preacher puts so much emphasis on an altar. I'll tell you why. Because the altar's always been a place of sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they sacrificed those animals. Oh, I want you to know it was on an altar that uh, God told Abraham to place his only son Isaac. They said, and I want you to know it was an altar that was rebuilt in 1 Kings when Elijah was told to repair the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you today that the altar of God in the local Baptist church is broken and dusty and most people just don't care. I'm here to tell you today it's high time that we repair the altar of God that's broken in the house of God and get before God and pray unto God so that he can work through us as we sacrifice ourselves for his glory. Amen. I believe that. I believe that. Oh, I want you to know today if you're going to enter the presence of God, you'll not do it any other way than by way of making an altar. That altar don't have to be these wooden steps. That altar can be that bench where you're at. That altar can be a couch in your living room. It can be a bunch of piled up rocks in the woods. It can be a hickory stump where you, I'm telling you, you just make an altar. Pray unto God and you can enter the presence of God. Amen. That's the scene in heaven. I got to move quickly, all right? Notice with me if you would, notice the sounds at the altar. See, the period of silence is past. The sound of impending judgment is heard by all. Notice with me, if you will, the manifestation of judgment. You read about that in verse 5. It says, The angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it on the earth. That doesn't sound very good, does it? It's not. See, the angel's act of throwing it to the earth reveals that God's judgment comes in direct response to the prayers of God's people. See, the effects of this fire will be vivid. They will be astounding. You read it in the scripture, there will be noises. There will be thunderings. There will be lightnings. There will be an earthquake. See, talking about noises, I want y'all to know I'm trying to tone it down a little bit. I can tell y'all know I am. But I, I, I want you to know I am because I hear better this week than I have in probably 51 years and 10 months. You say, how'd that happen? Well, I've been going to my ear doctor and he's been telling me I got dysfunctional eustachian tubes. I said, sir, I've been dysfunctional all of my life. And I said, and I want you to know everybody that comes in here to see you is not coming to see you because they're operating at optimum efficiency. They got some dysfunction. 
He said, well, we've tried everything. I don't know what else to do. He said, the only thing I know to do is put some tubes in your ears. I said, all right, when do we need to schedule you that for? He said, well, about 15 minutes. I don't know about y'all, but I wasn't real fired up about that. But I needed a little time to pray. I needed a little time to get anointed. I need, and, and I said, well, when do we go over to the hospital? He said, no, we do it right here. I said, here in this chair? Where's the anesthesiologist at? He says, no, we just put baby to sleep. You'll be wide awake. I said, I'm going to be wide awake while you're sticking a razor blade in my eardrum. He said, yep, that's what we're going to do. He said, ain't nothing to it. I said, ain't your ears. <laughs> you can call it minor if you want to. You're putting a razor blade on me. It's major. He says, trust me. Boy, when a doctor says, trust me, that's a little sketchy, isn't it? Amen. But you know, I got a real cool little ear doctor. He's a smooth guy. He's, he's like the classic fret boy. I bet he was like, you know, K.A. president or something. I don't know. He just, he just looks like a frat boy. You know, the ones that wore the little matching jackets. Like I got stuck in a bunch of those Auburn ones down at the Iron Bowl, and it was terrible, terrible. But, yeah, but they were talking smack, but they were whining, and they got a little inebriated. But anyhow, see, anyhow, I'm hoping my doctor's not inebriated. But anyhow, he says, yeah, it won't be nothing to it. So in the middle of him putting, I mean, I'm right there wide awake. And he goes, my phone starts buzzing, and it's my daughter wanting to know if she can borrow my Sam's car. <laughs> I'm like, you're going to have to wait till this doctor gets this razor blade out of my ear. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know, things started sounding different. My truck sounds different. The way the door closes sounds different. The washing machine, the dryer, every noise. Y'all, some of y'all actually sound good now. <laughs> but hear me. This will be a time in history where all will hear that dwell upon the earth. The noises, the thunder, the lightnings, and the earthquakes. There is huge anticipation building toward that time. Reminded me when I was in third grade. I was in the third grade when Mount St. Helens had that massive eruption. May 18, 1980, on a Sunday morning. I, I will never forget the weeks building up to that in school. Our teacher, Miss Gloria Bennett, was my third grade teacher, and she's awesome. And so we'd talk about it every day. And we'd talk, and we would look, you know, we didn't have the internet then. I imagine kids now, you just put it up on screen, they watch it in real time. Back then, we had to actually wait on the Aniston Star guy to come by at 2 o'clock afternoon and drop it in the, in the little paper box. But I can remember each day, did it erupt yet? Did it erupt yet? No, no, they had some more rumblings. Did it erupt yet? And the morning that it erupted, they were not expecting that to be the day. You remember they had a guy who had a little lodge there at Spirit Lake next door. His name was Harry Truman, not the president, another guy. But Harry Truman... And man, he was on TV all the time. You gonna leave? And I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> kind of like most Baptists. I ain't going nowhere. I don't care what I preach. I've been here all my life. I've been here when he came. I'll be here when he gone. <laughs> I heard it. Y'all think I'm joking. <laughs> but oh, Harry, he wouldn't leave and he got out on his boat that morning going to do a little fishing and they had the geologists. They were all taking their pictures but when it blew, old Harry didn't stand a chance. They never found old boy. 
buried under mountains and mountains. See, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know there's great anticipation about what is to come. And there's a lot of people don't think what I'm telling you is real. They dismiss it, and I don't know how you can in the world we're living in today. I mean, somebody said the world's going to hell in a handbasket. I'm just hunting a handbasket, amen? I'm here to tell you today how you can do that. Many people today ignore the warning signs until it is too late to escape. Some of you here today, you will wait one day too late. You will say, it won't today. I want one more day of sowing my wild oats. A lot of people spend all week sowing their wild oats and come to church on Sunday and pray for crop failure. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, that ain't the way it works. Manifestation of judgment. Notice with me, if you will, also in chapter verse 6, the preparation for judgment. It said there's a trumpet. You say, man, I love trumpet music. No, you won't like this one. This won't be Chuck Mangione playing what that famous song he had back in the 70s. You know, he had a little hat. Now, it won't be nice, soothing music. The Greek word used here in the original language is one that refers to a pronouncement, an alarm, a call to arms. See, the New Testament uses this term to identify a musical instrument. Never does it do that because we would think that it would be a trumpet like we're referring. He's not referring to a musical instrument. Instead, it refers to its military use similar to a bugle that would be used on the battlefield. Final preparations have been made. The angels are preparing to unleash the next wave of judgments on the earth. We stop reading right there in verse 7, but let's keep going. And let's talk together and let's walk through these next few verses. Stay with me for just a little bit. Notice the succession of the trumpets. The first four judgments here, the trumpets deal directly with the earth. They are actual and literal events that will affect the entire planet. As destructive as these judgments will be, we must keep in mind that they are partial and not final judgments. Notice the first trumpet, if you will, we'll call the scorching of the land in verse 7. The words of this verse are reminiscent to the seventh plague that God sent upon Egypt in Exodus. Now, that judgment was on a people, a country. This will be worldwide. Notice as you look at verse 7, it tells us that one-third of the trees will be burned up. It tells us that one-third of the vegetation will be burned up, and one-third of all the green grass will be burned up. Notice the words burned up is used three times in one verse. What all does this tell us will be taking place on planet Earth? Well, it tells us that crops and forests will be decimated. The atmosphere will be filled with fire and smoke. All of civilization will be affected as food supplies, the global economy, and human health are indirectly subject to the judgment of the first trumpet. The Greek word for trees, it's important to understand, usually means fruit trees, and the destruction of the pasture lands will devastate the entire milk and meat industry according to Warren Wiersbe. The first trumpet will send a scorching to the land. Notice the second trumpet, if you will, will see the scourging of the sea. 
The first trumpet focused on the land. The second focuses on the sea, the salt water. It says something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. You say, what could that be? Well, most likely, it is a description of a giant meteor that plunges deep into the ocean from outer space. I'm not talking about meteorites. I'm not talking about little... I'm talking about a major, major meteor. When it hits the water, there will be a threefold judgment that will take place just as it did with the first trumpet. One-third of the salt water turns to blood. One-third of marine life is destroyed, much leading to the blood in the water. One-third of the ships will be destroyed, most likely from major tsunamis that will come and wreck the globe. See, this will be an ecological and economic disaster of unprecedented proportion. Already in two trumpets, you see a third of the land, a third of the vegetation, a third of the grass. In the second, you see a third of the salt water, a third of the marine life, and a third of the ships. Think of how many ships just the United States has in the open waters today, not counting the other countries. It will be a catastrophic event. Then the third trumpet, there will be the spoiling of the water. See, the third trumpet is responsible for polluting not seawater, but inland fresh waters, which are separate from the salt water. He said that he saw a great star like a burning torch. Well, many theologians have a lot of different ideas. And I can tell you what all of them say or I can tell you what I believe God has taught me and what I believe to be true. And that's what I'm going to do today. Most agree that this will be some type of comet that burns like a torch that will disintegrate over the earth's atmosphere with all of its debris falling to the earth and targeting the fresh water. See, they are approximately today in the world 100 principal major rivers. They range in length from the Amazon, which is 4,000 miles long and 90 miles wide at the mouth, to the Rio de la Plata, which is only 150 miles long. But there in the United States alone are 30 large rivers, beginning with the biggest of them all, the mighty Mississippi, which is 3,710 miles long. Can you imagine one-third of these rivers and their sources will be polluted by this great star that burns like a torch and drops its debris, not just in the United States, but across the entire planet. Well, verse 10 gives a name. This is interesting. You need to pay close attention to this. It gives a name to this star to communicate us the depth of its devastating power. This star is called Wormwood. And you say, what does that mean? Well, if you're familiar with all that kind of stuff, ecology and different plants, I'm not a real plant person. I mean, I think there's two types of plants. There's grass and there's weeds. And a weed eater will take care of both of them, praise God. Amen? But no, no, if you're a person who studies this, you probably know a little bit about wormwood because it is a type of shrub 
that leaves behind and produces a substance that is so toxic that it is banned in many countries today to even be produced. The word wormwood literally means undrinkable. And in the Old Testament, it was synonymous with sorrow and great calamity. It will be so toxic that when people even come in contact with it, it will kill them. It says many men died from the water because it was made bitter. What will make it bitter? The falling debris, the presence of wormwood. You see, the loss of significant portion of fresh water will undoubtedly cause widespread death. Why? Because as a human being, you know, you can live 40 days without food. I don't see any sense in chancing it, but I'm just saying, <laughs> just stay with me, see if you're listening, right? Some of y'all are like, man, I'm about to die. I've been 40 minutes. I'm ready to go, right? Look here. 40 days you can live without food, but you can only live four days without water. So you can only go a short time without a fresh source of water. So as the world is plunged into this deep shock, can you imagine the shock that will be among the earth dwellers? It will be clear that these judgments are from God. He is still, this is a good thing about God, he is still leaving the door of salvation open to those who have survived to this point and not followed the Antichrist, but the window is closing rapidly. Notice the last of the first four, if you would. Notice the suppression of the light. The last of the first four trumpets to fall on the earth will do so in rapid succession, much like the first four seals. This one will affect the light sources of our day and our night. Once again, we see the fraction one-third, 33%. It says one-third of the sun's light will cease. One-third of the moon will also cease. And remember that the moon doesn't have any light of itself. It is only reflecting the light of the sun. So as the sun's light decreases, the moon will follow suit. It says one-third of the stars and their light will also cease. What is this going to do to the world? Well, the loss of the sun's light will cause a loss of heat. When you have a loss of heat, there will be plunging global temperatures. Weather patterns will be affected. Sea tides will be affected severely. And unpredictable storms and tides will lead to violent destruction of crops and further loss of animal and plant life. But at the end of the fourth trumpet, God sends a special message. Aren't you thankful that he always has a special message? He sends a special message from a special messenger, and the Lord sends this message to get the world's attention about what is to come. He says, whoa, whoa, whoa. If somebody's about to back over to you with a truck, what are you going to holler? Whoa, whoa, whoa. And they're going to run over you and say, man, I'm sorry, I thought you said go, go, go. He says, whoa, three times because there's a point of emphasis. If a teacher, a preacher, a coach, or anybody, a policeman, a person in authority says to you something three times, to get, they're doing it to get your attention. So listen up, church. It is as if he is saying this. If you think what has happened is terrible, just wait. 
Notice, there's a distinct group of people for which this message is sent. He is sending this message to the inhabitants of the earth. You say, wait a minute, is he talking about everybody still left on the planet? Uh, no. That term is also translated earth dwellers. The phrase is used 12 times in Revelation. It does not include every single person left on the planet. No, this phrase refers to a special or a distinct kind of people. It refers to those who live for the earth and the things of the earth. Some of you today, you live for nothing but the things of the earth and you're living for the earth. If you lost what you had, you would think it was all over. But I want you to know today, ladies and gentlemen, if you lost everything you had and you added up everything you had still left that, that money can't buy and death can't take away, you'd see you're still a rich man. But today, so many people are living for their stuff, they're living for the world, that they are a kind of people that unless God touches them and changes their life, they will fall into this group of earth dwellers who will be here during the, during the tribulation. These are those who have rejected Christ and the message of the gospel. I love the way Charles Swindoll put it. The judgments described in Revelation 8 will be so dreadful no amount of government aid, no relief efforts, or advanced preparation will be able to bring about worldwide recovery. Do you know what this means? This means that no environmental or political policies will affect the judgment of God. This means that banning fossil fuel and hugging trees and rescue packages and bailout programs, they will not help. You can get you a battery-powered car, which I am against. Not political. I just don't want to get between here and Texas and it say, pull over and charge, and there's nowhere to charge. I like gas. People say, do you have a battery-powered weed eater? No, I got gas. Do you have a battery-powered lawnmower? No, I got gas. Well, you're not really concerned about the environment, are you? No, not really, because I've read Revelation. It's going to burn up anyhow. Get, hey, get you, this ain't political, brother gentlemen. Get your junk in order. Get, use your, my daddy used to tell me, boy, use your head for something besides a hat rack. Listen to me. Use your head, ladies and gentlemen. This world is not going to last forever, but your soul will. And you will choose whether to surrender to Jesus Christ or reject him. No. Battery-powered cars ain't going to help you. Saving your aluminum cans and your plastic bottles. I mean, if you do that, I'm not against it. I just don't have time to separate it. <laughs> I grew up up there with my granddaddy where everything could burn, burn. When I yard that brown piggly wiggly sack, boom, boy, we had fire every night. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know the judgment of God is coming. It's coming upon the earth dwellers. Those who love the world 
and do not love God. I'm going to pull up here for a minute, okay? Y'all got two minutes? Somebody say yes. Okay, if you don't have two minutes, I'm going to take them in here, okay? I'm not being ugly. I just want you to know this is that important, okay? All right, this is my family meeting, calling us, gathering, okay? Y'all my family? I'm so glad to be a part of your family. Are you glad to have me in it? Okay, good. That's 30%. Great. <laughs> I just have to ask y'all. Uh, my girls, when I was growing up, they hadn't told me they loved me in a period of time that I thought they needed to. I would ask them, do you still love me? Well, yes, Daddy. And now that they're older, I still ask them. I learned this from Charles Swindoll, and I'm going to put these on the screen. With all that I've said, Let's take away, I hope you've got your bunch of notes. Let's take away these three things, okay? Three reflections. Here's the first one. God uses physical disasters to communicate spiritual messages. Can you believe that? Anybody get the message on 9-11? I did. We are not immune to terrorist attacks because we are the United States of America. Oh, God uses physical disasters too. Did anybody get the message in March 2020 when all of a sudden I couldn't go nowhere? I'm a, I'm a, I, I, I'm like Merle Haggard. I'm the running kind. Amen. Some of y'all are too young to even know who Merle Haggard is. And if you don't know who Merle Haggard is, Google it up. Amen. Right? Don't do that. Don't do that. No, no. I, I'm a, I'm a. I, I'm a go-getter, man. I don't sit around and wait on things. I'm not lazy. I'm not just, you know, last thing I ever want to be is a lazy preacher because preachers, we get this all the time. Like, y'all just work one day a week. No, no, no. Come, come follow me around. Please do. I would invite you to. We'd have a great time. You'll be tired. Okay? No, but listen, God caught my attention when he said, son, you can't go anywhere. You can't have church. You can't go call people to the altar. You can't do any of that kind of stuff that you've always done in times of crisis. But I'm going to teach you something new. Boy, he did, didn't he? See, many people become open to God when, in spiritual things when they experience a disaster. Oh, they're, they're large and in charge and all that in a bag of chips. But I'll tell you, when a crisis comes, I mean, people will get open to God. And listen, that's why we got to be the hands and feet of Jesus to this community so that when the crisis comes and people's heart get tender, we are there to offer hope. Here's the second thing. God's harsh judgments have a holy purpose. God sure is harsh here in Revelation 8, ain't he, David? Pretty harsh. You know why? Because he's holy. And he does not tolerate willful sin even though he's holy and merciful and gracious. He requires judgment for sin. It has a purpose. Spiritually mature people will humble their hearts during harsh times. And there's a third one. You need to know it. God won't stop until his plan is In our lives today, we can choose to heed the warning of God's word or we can harden our hearts. But only when God's purpose is accomplished will we have peace. I shared on Wednesday night, and I want to share this with all of you so you know. On Wednesday night, I shared with them that just last week, we were getting close to bedtime, and I went in and I sat down on the edge of the bed, and Angie was reading 
something spiritual, I'm sure. And uh, can you still that she's spiritual? Okay, okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding with you. Take it easy. Yeah, someone give me security to get to the car. <laughs> no, she reads a lot of good. She's reading the Lisa Turkhurst and all this kind of stuff. She's great. You ladies, I recommend her to you. But anyhow, she, I said, Angie, I said, do, do, do you get it? Do I get it? I think I finally get it. She said, what are you talking about? I said, do you remember seven years ago when we were praying about what God was going to do in our life? And what he was going to do. And I told you, I sat down there beside you. I said, Angie, I can't understand of all the servants God has. He has thousands that have never dropped a knee to Baal that could go to Heflin and do a great work. And I'm just an old homeboy. And, you know, prophet's not without honor in his own country. And I even had a guy tell me yesterday, I mean, just, just really try to discourage me. A man says he's a follower of Christ. I'm pumping gas. And the guy tells me, he says, well, you know, I don't care. You can't have honor in your own country. And I said, well, you know, I beg to differ with you. Because when people get hungry and people believe and God sends the people he wants, he can do anything. And I sat down there and I said, Angie, I said, I don't know how to explain it, but I know this is what God, let me tell you about this woman right here. This woman knows what God wants me to do before I do. She said, man, I've been telling you for months this is what God wants you to do. You're just hard-headed. She did. Bobby, she did. She told me for months, she said, you're just being hard-headed. Then we sat down in a Mexican restaurant called El Nepal. Anybody ever had El Nepal in Georgia? Ooh, good stuff. Get you El Nepal special. Get you some cheese and rice and some chicken and some shrimp. Woo! Anyhow, I was sitting down there getting ready for my El Nepal special. And we're praying about what to do. We just prayed at the table. And all of a sudden, look here. Three times in a row, like on loop, the restaurant paid Sweet Home Alabama. Did Angie. My hand up, right? Then after that, they followed it up with Sugar Land and Bon Jovi. And who says you can't go on? <laughs> I said, okay, Lord, I never thought you'd speak to me through Leonard Skinner and book Bon Jovi, but if you can use a donkey to keep Balaam, you can use Leonard Skinner to point me, right? But I said, Angie. I saw this before we saw this today. I said, you remember me telling you, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I know it's going to be an uphill battle. I said, but I really believe if we go in there and we just preach the gospel and we just love people unconditionally and we give our heart and soul to help them develop missions and get them to see beyond the walls and get invested in the community and beyond, I really believe God can bring revival to young people and to the church as a whole. I said, Angie, I saw that before I saw it. I said, you know what? God just reminded me, Ray, that why we do what we do and why God did this. God did this because it's his word. He wasn't going to let me go. I felt like Jacob. I mean, I walked with a limp ever since, Keith. I know, I knew. God was saying to me, I'm not going to stop till my purpose is fulfilled through you because you don't belong to you, Brent. You belong to me. You died. I bought you. You are mine. In the days of tribulation, the reason that these judgments will come is because they are part of his plan they are part of his purpose, and he will not quit. The other day, was one of my hero favorite coaches of all time, Coach Gary Harper. It was his birthday. 
here with my wrestling coach, offensive line coach, and just was real, always he's blessing me. It's his birthday. He's getting kind of old now because <laughs> I am too. But I sent a message to him, tell him happy birthday. And I said, Coach, happy birthday. I said, I want you to know that I'll never forget that you taught me to keep my head off the mat. Don't reach back. Never quit. Can I tell you something? That's something every child of God must have. Don't look down in despair. Don't reach back to all that junk that's behind you, good or bad. And listen here, you got to refuse to give up. Do you know why? Because there's people I just read to you about today that are going to spend eternity burning in hell because they rejected God. They're going to go through the greatest tribulation this world's ever known. And it is you and I who can stand between them today and the day of grace and warn them and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Come to Jesus. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray your blessing on this invitation time. God, I don't know what needs are among your people, but I'm confident you do. Father, I pray at this invitation, lives will be eternally changed. The Son of God will be glorified. We'll be able to go away today and say, wasn't it good to be in the presence of the Lord? Do what only you can do. Save somebody from their sin and their self. Restore joy to your children who've lost. Add to this church daily those who are being saved. And we'll give you the praise. In Christ's name, amen and amen. Would you stand with me all across the house? As I often say on the very first word of the very first verse, step into that nearest aisle and just come to Jesus. We're not here to coerce you. We're not here to play mind games with you. We're just here to present the gospel and plead with you to come and do whatever God will lead you to do. If you need, need to know Christ, never met Christ, you need to make decisions as a Christian about your walk with him, you come as God speaks to you. Marty, when you're ready. <clears throat> I have decided to follow you. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Though turning back.
just a second, Miss Connie. I've been praying for this kind of stuff, Keith. Huh? Seven years ago, I would get through two verses and I'd be like, God, I am the biggest flaw. But this don't mean anything other than that he's in the house. He's in the house. Hey, you're here today and you still need to make a decision. You say, well, there was a lot of people. <laughs> Praise God. Maybe you still here today say, I know I'm not saved, but I need to be. I don't want to face this great tribulation. Or maybe you're here today and you're a child of God and you don't have church membership. And you're displaced and you need a family to cling to and lean to and serve with. We just want you to honor God. We're not here to try to do anything other than say honor God. But if God would lead you to be a part of this family of faith, we would be so happy to hear that and to receive you as a brother, sister, in Christ. But we're going to sing another verse. I just believe compelled, brother. I just, I'm not in a hurry to go to the house today, amen. Some of y'all say, well, I am. Well, I'm, I mean, hey, God's in the house. Let's sing one other verse. Do you need something from the Lord? Please come. just bow our heads for a moment and the music's going to play and nobody's singing but just with our heads bowed and as the music plays if you'll just these others are praying and interceding and seeking God I, I pray as a child of God you're praying for them right where you are now and I pray that you're praying for those yet to know the Lord because you know the joy that he brings I don't want to think where I'd be without Jesus today wouldn't want to live that life. And if you are, I want you to know there is sweet, sweet surrender. You say, well, I have to give up. The only thing you'll have to give up is being eternally separated from God forever in an awful place called hell. It's not about what you give up. It's about the new life he brings. It's about the joy. It's about the peace that passes all understanding. It's about having a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Just a minute, Marty's going to sing another chorus. And if there's a need for you today, you come. We're not here trying to extend things. We're just trying to mind the Lord. We believe God is moving. Father, draw weary souls to the cross is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Marty, sing with a chorus. Sing with Marty.
God's people said hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Girls, y'all come around and get a seat right there. Just sit right there by Miss Brenda. I don't want you to have to stand up. Uh, yes, okay. All right. Now's the time we get to worship with our tithes and offerings. It's the last Sunday of the month, so we want to finish strong and have a good day of giving. And uh, guys are coming even now. Please, if you have the Connect cards, the rest of your visit, please, you can drop them in the plate. If you want to hold on to it and uh, uh, get a nice gift bag, Jim's got some under the Welcome Center back there. If you'll just bring your Connect card to him, he'll give you a gift bag. It's got... Uh, I don't know, some day-old bread and a bunch of, oh, no, I'm kidding. No, it's got some nice stuff there in it, and thank just let you, just, just as a way of saying thank you for coming today. But as we give today, just remember, everything we talk about is total dependence on God. Like I said, if you watch the news, you'll be in fear. <laughs> if you read the Word, you'll live by faith. Corey Tim Boone said, if you look at the world, you get distressed. If you look within, you'll get depressed. But if you look at Christ, you come at rest. Amen? I really believe that. And this is one of those times. So we give. Let's, let's, you can't outgive him, but why don't we try? Amen? Because I want you to know something. I really believe, and if you'll hear me, what God is leading us to do and where God is leading us is going to make us real uncomfortable in the days ahead. You say, wait a minute, I heard something on that. There is no growth in the comfort zone, and there is no comfort in the growth zone. I have asked God to stir us, even if it makes us uncomfortable. But those uncomfortable times will be exciting times because we will see the hand of God. Even when we cannot trace his hand, we can learn to trust his heart. Amen? So let's join our hearts together. Let's ask God's blessings on our giving today.
Can't you just hear old Rusty Goodman singing, Who Am I? That a king would bleed and die for. Amen. Yeah, Monroe, he, he could do pretty good too. Donnie? Well, there's so many Lipscombs that sing. I mean, I, you just pick one, you got it, right? Uh, but hey, t- I got to clear up two things before I bring these guys up here. One is, is, is Harrison, is he sick today? Is he sick? I'm so sorry. I really, I thought he laid out because I told him he was sermon material. Did he tell you? He didn't tell you. That's I thought he done laid out because he was sermon material. And I did. I left him out of the sermon, but I got to get. Harrison is my bud. Does everybody, don't y'all just love Harrison? Ain't he like everybody's buddy? I mean, he's this little Pooh Bear kind of guy. Man. And, but he made a really tragic mistake because he called me out in front of all these young people at the ping pong table. I said, son, I'm Forrest Gump. <laughs> Which I'm not. And he was telling me how awesome his dad was. He bragged on you, right? How you could spin him around. I said, well, you know, I'm not that. So I thought, man, he's been taking lessons from his dad. Well, I just want to go ahead and go on record. I smoked him. Smoked him. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> 2113. I gave him a little lead, gave him a little confidence, and then I brought out the power serves. But then, and the second thing I need to clear up, okay, Gary, Christy, you boy, the one with the freckle on the eye, which one is he? Is that Jordan or Dave? Jordan. You think? <laughs> you're the mama. <laughs> That's the way that one of them's got a little freckle. Because they, they, they mess with me and they, t- they keep switching their names. And you know what they tell me? They said even on facial recognition on the phone, they can open each other's phone. I mean, that's what they Aha! Aha! I got you now. So Jane's got the freckle. All right. Okay. I'll watch you around. Okay. Just checking because they were messing with me. They even told me when they get into high school, which they're in eighth grade now, they go, that when they get tired of a girlfriend, they're just going to pass them off to their brother. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, <laughs> I said, well, guys, y'all, y'all got to get some swag first. <laughs> but let me present. Come here, by Madison, Mr. Miss Guthrie, and, and Kylie, if you would. And Caitlin, Caitlin if you want to come stand with her, that's fine. I got some sweet folks to present to you today. Oh, yeah, fish. Didn't forget you, old handsome fish. All right. Let, let me start here with Mr. and Ms. Guthrie. As you know, Mr. Owens was uh, baptized today, and that unites him with our church fellowship and his sweet, sweet, very shy wife, Miss Sheila. Uh, she, uh, yeah, I know. I love them. Look here. They, like I said, they drive up here from Marson's Crossroads every Sunday and every Wednesday, and they came out of a simple invite while Robin was cutting their hair and had a captive audience. Your passion, use it when you, yeah, scissors, you know, in the eardrum. But anyhow, um, she uh, invited them, and they've come ever since. So uh, thank you. So would you welcome the Guthrie family? <laughs> Over my far right is my buddy Fisher Perkins. Fisher's come realizing that he was yet to make a clear decision for Jesus Christ and has come profess faith in Jesus Christ and is going to follow the Lord and believe his baptism. So would you give Fisher, we celebrate Fisher. <laughs> so that adds to, I got to work out some more, going to get them on up there, Key. And on to my left is Miss Kylie Goodman. And Kylie come today, first time profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Came out of a simple invitation of her friend Caitlin, who's recently given her heart to Christ. So would you welcome Kylie Goodman? <laughs> last but not least is Madison. She's a daughter of one of my very best friends of all time. Her daddy's been a friend of mine for many, many years, and 
one of my best teammates and just love him. And it's, I did your mom and daddy's wedding. Did they tell you that? And they, did it take? It took, okay. <laughs> they were the second full wedding. The first two weddings I did were two of my very best friends, very teammates, and both of them are still hanging in there. It's because they have very forgiving wives. Is that right? okay. But no, uh, Madison Higgins has come today, and she says that she knows that she's a Christian. She just says straight and wanted to rededicate her life to Jesus and make sure that things were right between her and the Lord and her fellowship. So would you celebrate with Madison today? <laughs> Amen. What a good day, man. As old country preacher used to tell me, he said, boy, it just gets gooder and gooder. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, look, on your way out today, uh, the Methodists are already there. Y'all are going to be late. Well, I, I'm just hoping that they'll, y'all get there at tip time, like, you know, when they're leaving a the tip, and they'll probably be stingy, so you give them even more. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. No, no, no. Look here. So when you come around today, you come out, Please come by, welcome these sweet folks, and let them know you are so glad of the decisions they made today. This is a good day. And look here. Look here. Just know if you yet, and God stirred your heart, and you need to make a decision, you didn't. I'm at that back door. Your eternity is more important to me than anything. Your obedience is more important. I am in no hurry to go anywhere. I got six months stored up, okay? Look, you come out there and tell me I want to help you do what God has put on your heart to do to amen. And don't forget this. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Amen. Stand together. Marty's going to sing us out, okay? God bless.